With the news media reporting increasingly more data breaches and cybersecurity events, and the use of personal data in ways that invade people's privacy, you need to know how to keep your business's data, not to mention your own personal data, safe from hacks and your business operating in the most secure environment. Otherwise, this can not only hurt your business reputation, it can cost you clients. Welcome to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. We're here to help you prevent potential damages and losses before the hackers even have your number. Now, here is the Privacy Professor and your host, Rebecca Harold. Hello and welcome to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. I'm Rebecca Harold, your host. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the 83rd episode of my show. Please subscribe to my show on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Player FM, Google Play, Overcast, TuneIn, CastBox, Podtoppin', or whatever your favorite podcast or news app is. And also, please subscribe to my show on the Voice America Business Channel website. Then you will be notified just as soon as each new show is available. And hey, Happy New Year 2021 to all my listeners throughout the world. I truly do appreciate you and thank you for listening and for sending me all your messages. You know, 2020 was such a a very tough in so many ways year. So here's wishing all of you a much better, safer, healthier, and happier 2021. My January Privacy Professor Tips message was published at the end of December. Please sign up for them. I've provided them for free since 2007, and I've been doing that in an effort to increase general awareness of information security and privacy issues and to provide a free awareness publication for organizations to send to their employees. Not enough organizations do that. You can sign up for them by going to privacyguidance.com and submitting your email in the box in the upper right part of your screen. So, on to today's topic. This is January, and January 28th is annual... International Data Privacy Day. What are you doing for Data Privacy Day? Have you thought about that? Did you even know that? (laughs) Well, I'm doing a very wide variety of activities myself, including a special issue of my privacy tips. I've created some free training videos that I've posted on my new business site, privacysecuritybrainiacs.com. It is an online security, privacy, and compliance training software as a service business that I built throughout 2020 with my 23-year-old son, Noah, who has a computer science degree and is a whiz at all things IT, cybersecurity, and privacy-related along with my awfully awesome, very awesome development and programming team. Plus, I'm doing some other radio and podcast shows 
and at least one webinar for the NIST IoT development activities and a couple of executive talks at some Fortune 100 businesses. So a lot of speaking. And that's kind of leading into what we're going to talk about today for Data Privacy Day and raising awareness. I actually did my first public speaking engagement at a Computer Security Institute, or CSI, conference in early 1995. Now, this was following publication of an article that I wrote for the ACM, and that stands for Association for Computing Machinery, International Journal of Network Management. And I wrote it about the antivirus strategy that I created and implemented at Principal Financial Group in 1993 to 1994. Now, some of the folks at CSI asked me to speak on this topic, which was just at the beginning of organizations being concerned and recognizing the need for an enterprise-wide virus protection program at that time. Because think about it, at that time, there were very few people who were online. There was no wireless. Um, We were in a very different type of world with uh, viruses, but there certainly were viruses that were around and were very destructive. There were over 600 people in that room at the conference, and I'd never spoken at a conference, uh, especially one that included information security practitioners and experts before. I was just early in my career, uh, but, you know, I'm glad I pushed through my nervousness and did that event because after that event, I was regularly invited to speak and also to write articles and books about Uh, not just antivirus, but about a really wide range of information assurance activities. Now, the CSI speaking engagement provided me with this really great opportunity to meet others in the industry. Many of them were longtime luminaries in the security field, even at that time, uh, so many years ago. And it was also a great opportunity to meet those folks who were in the audiences, and I'm still in touch with many of them today, and I learn from them all, and I have been told by many that they also continue to learn from me, and that that is what's so important uh, to realize, that no matter how much you know about information and cybersecurity and privacy and compliance or, or any of the subtopics within those broad areas, you can never know everything or be an expert in anything. Or, uh, sorry, not anything, of course, everything. <laughs> if someone tells you that they know everything about privacy or they know everything about cybersecurity or any other broad topic such as this, well, it's likely that they just simply do not understand the vast breadth and depth of the topics, which are always evolving and changing. You know, we must constantly learn to truly excel 
in our professions and really to improve cybersecurity and privacy. We really need to be open to learning from others and seeking to learn from others. And, and not only that, but also be willing to share our own experiences and research and knowledge and capabilities with others. That's how we truly do improve our industry and help to improve security and privacy and compliance. So that's why I'm pointing out today, as part of International Data Privacy Day Month, the great need to attend conferences and online webinars and other types of online events. And someday when we get the global pandemic under you know control, then we can meet in person at, at in-person events and also be part of associations and groups and learn from the real life experiences of others. Those real life experiences are so valuable. You cannot theorize uh, what's going to actually occur many times in real life. They're just so unique and so valuable to learn from others and learn about the the accomplishments of others. And I have the perfect guest to discuss this with today. Today, I'm speaking with Kim Hakem, a U.S. Navy veteran, a woman in cyber, and a business leader who is focused on the cybersecurity and privacy space. Kim's got really deep experience and understanding of the information security, privacy, and compliance market. And Kim has years of experience hosting conference talks and sessions related to cybersecurity And her uh, understanding of this market and all of the issues involved are truly unique. Kim is an entrepreneur with over 20 years in the cybersecurity industry. Kim has successfully started two companies, FutureCon Events and Data Connectors. Kim was also recently selected as one of 100 women in the book publication, Women Know Cyber, 100 Fascinating Females Fighting Cybercrime. Kim is currently a co-host on a weekly podcast that's focused on cyber and is a radio host for the new Voice America business channel show called And Security for All, which launches on January 22nd of this year, 2021. Kim also sits on the board of advisors for Cybercrime Magazine. And, you know, she has done and and has so many more things for you to see. Uh, you can go out on my Voice America show site and see more about Kim there. Kim, thank you so much for being my guest today. Welcome to my show. Well, thank you, Rebecca. That was quite an introduction. I, I, I'm usually introducing our speakers, so thank you so much for that. Well, I'm happy to. You just uh, have so much um, experience and knowledge to share, and I'm so happy that uh, you're on to share that with us, especially for this important topic, because, you know, as you can kind of uh, probably tell by my intro, talking about the need to learn from others and then share with others, I think it is so important. And I think sometimes a lot of folks don't realize that they truly do have uh, a lot that they can share with others that others will find valuable. 
But before we get into some of those specifics, you know, a lot in our audience may not be familiar with FutureCon events. So could you maybe explain when did you launch your first FutureCon uh, events? Has it been yeah. that long ago? It, it was exactly this past October, two years ago, FutureCon launched. We launched... Um, all of our events in 2019, I think we had about 26 live events. Mm-hmm. And then 2021, I th- we roughly had around 26 live events on the schedule, which they all turned virtual. And I think we added, we've probably done 30 virtual events for 2021. So we've, for 20, I'm sorry, for <laughs> 2020, we'll continue to do virtual for a while in 2021 as well. And um, one of the, I just wanted to let your viewers know that the way I had met Rebecca, she was in that book that she discussed as well. So that um, gave us the opportunity to get to know each other. And she keynoted an event at my first year with FutureCon and she packed our audience. So that was great that day. Oh, I thank you for that too. Thank you so much for inviting me, especially it was at the event here in Des Moines, Iowa. And I loved that you came here because, you know, a lot of times uh, the smaller cities, especially throughout the Midwest, kind of get overlooked. And I love the fact that, Kim, you are holding events in a lot of venues where there are a lot of people that want to attend events and oftentimes they don't get the um, budget to travel somewhere else. So thank you so much for kind of filling the gaps by coming to places like Des Moines and other other cities that have kind of been overlooked until now. Yeah, we love doing that. It's the third tier cities is what we call them are really our best cities. They're packed because people are very hungry for the information and there's people, great speakers like yourself and these little um, small, smaller cities. I'm from St. Louis. I'm not from a big city, but um, Des Moines, Des Moines is always great. Nebraska is always great. So we do love coming into those small cities and you're right. There's so many people. And especially after this pandemic, um, budgets are tight and these conferences bring global speakers to, you know, right in your home while we're doing virtual. Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, the virtual, uh, gosh, that that's just another thing altogether. But before we get into some of the questions about that, what motivated you to start a new type of cybersecurity and privacy conference? Because my goodness, there's a lot of work involved in putting on a conference, isn't there? Oh, my goodness, to say the least. So my old company, I ran it for about 20 years. And You know, in the beginning, you were talking about, you know, when you first started talking at some of these conferences, everything has evolved in 20 years. I don't even think cybersecurity was a word 20 years ago. So um, I think that company just, so it it started getting stale. So I wanted to rebrand myself and become more innovative and bring higher level speakers, higher level audience and bring better content to our viewers. So I just rebranded my name, rebranded the company. And fortunately, I had a ton of people that followed me to FutureCon and doors have been opening ever since I've started this company and it's been a really fun ride even in this crazy year we are about to end. It, it has definitely been a crazy year that's for sure. Um, so our viewers are probably thinking well 
you know, why do we need another conference? We have RSA, we have um, ISSA, we have IPP and B-Sides and DEF CON and SANS. So maybe um, you, you talked a little bit about how your conferences were different by coming to the maybe smaller cities and locations, but what else is different about FutureCon from other conferences? Well, it's so interesting because when I first started my prior company, there really wasn't a lot of competition. Now there's a conference every day if you go out and look on the internet. So, you know, I go to RSA. I think that's a great conference. I think ISSA and all the organizations, the nonprofit organizations, they have great meetings, but a lot of those are for their members. A lot of those we partner with so they can come and get new members from our events. But ours is a one-day intimate event. We generally only have no more than 30 vendors there. So I feel we get great feedback from our attendees. They feel like, you know, when you go to RSA, you have 600 to 1,000 vendors there. So they feel like they can have a full day of great information, great content. They get to speak with these vendors. They get their educational credits. They get to talk to all these different chapters that are usually at my event with booze. So I think we just have a unique market niche that fits us. And we have a lot of people that love our events. People hear about our our events. People can't wait to come back to our events in person. Um, Every future kind of event I've had since I've launched it, they've all been packed. So I think that's awesome. And when we, you know, I can't wait to get back out there again. But again, to answer your question, I think Myself, a lot of people know me because I've been in the industry so long. So my reputation, you know, helps, you know, bring the sponsors, brings the attendees. And I've met so many more great people in these last two years than I have in 10 years. So, again, yeah, it's been great. Well, you know, I want to get into the privacy topics here in a little bit. But first, I want to talk about how you dealt with the pandemic because my goodness you you started you had such a great first year with FutureCon and then you know starting in late 2019 uh, we started hearing things but it was on the other side of the world about a pandemic uh, but then you know it, it comes and it hits us and now of course it's even in Antarctica it's everywhere the pandemic is impacting the entire globe Around what time in 2020 or maybe even 2019 did you start hearing about the pandemic and thinking, oh, my goodness, how's this going to impact my events? Yeah, it was a scary it was a scary moment when I realized we're not going back out there live. When you remember where you were the day of 9/11, I remember where I was the day I knew we weren't going back out on the road, but mm-hmm. I was actually out at RSA at that conference. That was at the end of February. There's still I think there were down 10,000 attendees and there's still 20,000 attendees. I, and not a lot of people were wearing masks. It hadn't even really hit California yet. So it seems like we were still going to be okay. We came back, me and my staff. We came back a week later. We had to go to Chicago. We had an event. We probably had about 150 people there. There was supposed to be about 300. And people came. Some people were wearing masks. I, I remember being in a large crowd thinking, oh, my goodness, this might not be good. And we drove home from Chicago that day. And, that, and we had a St. Louis event the following week. And that was the day that 
my inbox was flooded with people. I'm not coming. I'm not, we're staying home. Everything was shutting down. So it was very, I was very panicked. Like, what am I going to do? This business is going to go out of business. And it was very scary, but I took that weekend. I took a deep breath and we rolled out that following Monday. We just went virtual. We didn't really know what we were doing. We partnered with some media companies and we just, within a week, had everything switched over to virtual. It was a lessons learned it's still a lessons learned, but it, you know, it really pushed me to do things that I would have never done. I've learned so much this year, used technology I would have never done. It's going to change the future of events, which I know you're going to get to later, but it's, it's not what I would have wished, but I also have a, a big following now of people that would have never came to a live event, a lot of C-level executives because they don't have the time. Um, tons of them have attended these virtual events. Um, so I feel like our brand awareness got so much larger being at home doing everything virtual because we brought such great content. And... You know, there was some good shows, virtual, there were some bad shows, but now uh, we've used lots of different platforms, but I think we're ready to go for 2021. So it's it's for my whole team. It's, it's something you could never imagine, but, you know, you had to either, you know, I guess that's about being an entrepreneur. You figure it out fast. So yeah, we well, fast. You certainly sound like you uh, took the lemons and made some lemonade out of it there, and saw how to uh, to make the the best, if you will, of a very um, concerning situation. And uh, you mentioned it took you, you know, you talked about it with your team for a week. Now, what was the biggest challenge, though? When you knew that you had to change from an on-site event to a virtual event, like you talked about getting cancellations. I mean, how long did it take you to, let's say, do your next event? Did you hold that event then virtually that everybody was canceling on? Or did you take your next event and just switch it, I guess? Um, what was the biggest challenge you had to quickly change from on-site to virtual? Well, you know, the biggest challenge was I had all these sponsors that had already been signed up for 2020. And I had all these venues secured with, you know, a lot of revenue attached to the venues, a lot of revenue that we had already collected. And that was the scary thing. You don't want to have to return all, you know, return everyone's revenue. Um, You want to still be able to make payroll. So it was just our sponsors were really great. They worked with us. Um, probably a handful of them we refunded, which I'm saying maybe two or three. Oh, Most wow. of them were awesome. They just kind of, at first, they didn't want virtual. They thought it would, so a lot of them, you know, we rescheduled everything to the end of the year and we started doing virtuals just like there were their own conference. And then we would take, say, Des Moines. It was supposed to be earlier 2020. We pushed it to the end of the year thinking it would be live. So by the time we got to the fall, I think the sponsors, you know, our, all of our great sponsors were in this position of if we don't do virtual, there's nothing else out there. We've got mm. to sell our products. So everyone just, everyone, they were great. And we have 
sponsors that are continuing to sign up for 2021, just trusting that we'll deliver. There's a lot of, I I have to say, I've probably worked the hardest I've ever worked in my life because I have had very little sleep in 2020 because I need to make sure my attendees are going to be happy and the sponsors are going to be happy. And that is a lot of sleepless nights working and making sure everything matches up. The attendees are there. The sponsors are going to be happy. So it, it was just, again, a lessons learned. We did, a, you know, so now we are planning for 2021. We think the first six months will be virtual, and I'm her- hoping June to um, December we will go back live. Mm, okay. We hoped we hoped that was going to happen at the end of 2022, and that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. You so you're really having to take it just uh, one day at a time, almost, exactly. to see how things change. Um, we have a break coming up in about three minutes, but I I am so curious because I know in person conferences those vendor booths are so important not not just for the people who attend who want to talk directly with vendors about their products but I know it's important for you as the the um, company putting on a conference I mean those vendor booths are a big part I would imagine or at least I know from other conferences that's a big part of the financials um, and income from those conferences so those vendors when you talked earlier about how things went it sound like you found a way maybe to have virtual vendor booths we did. We, we, after using several platforms, our very last platform that we signed up with was called this Engage Z. And it was awesome. It's what we used the month of December. We had five events and it, um, it, it just looks like a virtual booth. You know, I wish I could show your viewer, but eventually they can go check it out. But it's, it's about as the best virtual is going to get, you know, so um, finally the vendors, they like that, you know, there's a little picture of a person standing by the booth and they can Uh-oh. chat. And so you just have to be more creative in virtual or people can just close their computer and be done. So lots of games, lots of trying to do fun things, thinking outside the box. You know, I think, I can see how a lot of people would love that, too, and um, perhaps maybe even you will have hybrid events, possibly, just because I know so many of my clients throughout the years, they just never had the travel budget even to cover a conference. Like, they might be able to pay for the conference, but they couldn't pay for the travel or the lodging. So, yeah, it sounds like there might be uh, some good possibilities going forward for you then. Definitely. We're definitely looking at that. I think that's almost going to be a must for all conferences going in the future because mm-hmm. it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while for people to feel comfortable to get back out there. Oh, it will. Definitely. Well, right now, um, it's time for a, a quick break to hear from our sponsors. So today I'm speaking with Kim Hakem, CEO and founder of FutureCon Cybersecurity Events and also host of the new Voice America Business Channel show and Security for All, which will be launching later this month, January of 2021. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold, the Privacy Professor. You can contact me with 
questions and comments about this show as well as show topic suggestions using my email, RebeccaHerald at RebeccaHerald.com. Also through my PrivacyGuidance.com website. Please stay with us. We will be right back after these important messages from my sponsors. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Privacy Professor is your trusted source for effective information security, privacy and compliance advice, compliance tools, education, consulting, expert witness services, research, report writing, and board positions. Visit us online at privacyguidance.com. Rebecca also provides keynote speeches and her free Privacy Professor monthly tips messages she has published since 2007. Visit privacyguidance.com for help and answers to your questions. The Privacy Security Brainiacs team wants everyone responsible for security, privacy, and compliance to stay up to date with the latest news, risks, and security and privacy practices. Check out their growing library of topics not offered by others. Privacy Security Brainiacs also wants every business to perform automated risk assessments, which are free or value-priced for all types of security and privacy topics. You need to find out more about Privacy Security Brainiacs. Visit PrivacySecurityBrainiacs.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. If you have a question or comment about the program, feel free to send an email to Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. That's Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. Now, back to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. Welcome back to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor on the Voice America's Business Channel. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold, and today I'm speaking with Kim Hakem, CEO and founder of FutureCon Cybersecurity Events and also host of the new Voice America Business Channel show and security for all. So before uh, the break, we talked about how Kim handled having a pandemic occur in only the second year of her new conference, the FutureCon conferences. Now, what I want to hit upon now are the privacy topics because, you know, we mentioned earlier, Kim, that um, I spoke here in Des Moines and that was in, gosh, July or August of, of 2019. And I was speaking about IoT and privacy and security then. I imagine, though, for this past year for 2020, um, that was probably a year where you had maybe a little bit different types of privacy topics, maybe because it was virtual. So what were the the most popular or well-attended privacy sessions or topics throughout 2020? Well, it's interesting because it came in 
you know, different patches of what was happening. At first, right when virtual came out, Zoom was having all these privacy Mm. issues. So people weren't really using Zoom. Zoom did a really good job of fixing up their problems because, you know, that kind of faded away. Everybody started using Zoom. So that, that was just, and then all of a sudden you had large corporations sending all of their employees home. So now there was a lot of discussions of what are you going to do with all these people at home? And, you know, there's so many privacy issues with them. Now, you you know, even though they may be on a secure network, you still have any, all these other devices in, you know, their home. So that was big, you know, big discussions on talking about how to keep your employees safe at home, you know, from cyber attacks that are happening daily. Um, So we had that. And then, you know, I think December, we had the big fire eye incident. So that, um, that brought up lots of conversation again about cyber attacks. And, you know, here we had one of the frontline companies in the world, you Mm -hmm. know, get attacked and, that brought up all kinds of different topics. So there's never really one thing because there's so many different things that are happening. Um, and then just I'm sure we're going to be talking about government, the government attacks that we're having now. Our next conference is January 13th. So that's going to come up. A lot of things that every single event, we have a CISO panel as well after our keynote speaker. And um, some of the things that they were speaking on was post-pandemic plan. You know, when will we return to normalcy? What's that going to look like? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the current trends and how are they impacting the people, the processes and the technologies again? But for the most part, it's so interesting because we've had large, you know, um, you know, I just had the CISO from the United Nations was, you know, one of our keynote speakers. We had the CISO from Eli Lilly um, as one of our keynotes, and they really are happy with their employees working from home. They feel more empowered that they can bring on better talent because they're not in a situation where, like, for instance, Eli Lilly, she doesn't have to just hire from Indiana. She can hire anywhere now that we've transitioned into a new world of working digitally. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, and as you were talking about this, I just realized you still have regional online seminars, but yet they're online. So now anybody can attend, like if if you have a really, you know, interesting um day a uh, conference day let's say here in Des Moines but it's virtual anybody throughout the world can attend that event right even though you're getting speakers I guess from the area or how are you how are you working that now having regional virtual conferences well, they're definitely regional, so I try to keep with the attendees. You know, we have our databases by region, so mm-hmm. say we were going to have, say it was going to be Des Moines, like we just recently had our Des Moines event, so we did have a lot of attendees from Des Moines, but we still had like the central central part of the United States, like Nebraska, Kansas, Illinois. We still had attendees from there, and I recently um, started a speaker 
a speaker series. It's a group on LinkedIn, and it's just called the FutureCon Speaker Series that I've just I just created it a couple of weeks ago. So any of your viewers can go look that up, and if they're interested in being, I'm very picky about it because I have high level people in there, high. Mm-hmm executives in there and I don't want it to be a place where you know they're going to get hit on for sales and stuff I want it to be a safe place so that's been really great because I've been able to go into that a pile of you know that the those resources and start booking out my 2021 speakers and it's really awesome some of the speakers that I've gotten to know this year through this pandemic because usually if I'm at my event, I'm just meeting them really quick up mm-hmm. on the stage and that's about it. And now, you know, I have to talk to them more about the technology of what we're doing. And it's just, I've just built a, such a great network of new peers and colleagues by being in this, where everything slowed down. So you're able to get to know people better. Right. So that that LinkedIn group again is FutureCon Speaker Series, correct? Correct. Okay, would, great. Yeah. You'd have to go on Kim Hakeum, my LinkedIn, to um find it. It's in one of my groups. But uh Okay. Yeah, yeah that's a great I will check that out too for sure. So I'm wondering even though the events are virtual, but you're keeping them, you know, targeting the the folks in the region did you notice any differences in privacy concerns by region and why I'm asking this is because um, just over the throughout my career I've kind of seen where like when I'm on the west coast I have west coast clients they might come from a very very different types of industries on the West Coast than, you know, here in the Midwest where we have much different types of industries also. And so when you deal with different industries in a different region, it seems like sometimes you find some very unique or different concerns for privacy as well as for cybersecurity. Well, you know, I think when we were on the road traveling from city to city, we Mm -hmm. certainly had different types of issues. But I think that since it was gone virtual and we are regional, I think just the biggest topic for the whole year has been just privacy and Mm -hmm. cybersecurity, you know, ransomware, how to stay safe, data breaches. I mean, that has really overall, and I try to pick my keynote speakers that a lot from financial institutions, um, you know, it, it, being virtual, you have to be very selective of who you pick as your keynote speaker because they have to make it. They have to be somebody that has the experience to be able to talk and keep the interest. Mm-hmm. You know, just recently there's somebody. His name's Morgan Wright, and he's a Fox News correspondent, and he's mm-hmm. currently the CISO for Sentinel One. Well, he's great. I mean, sometimes I get the he and and Ch- Dr. Chase Cunningham. He's also great. I mean, they just they're the type of speakers that scare our audiences. <laughs> that's that's a good thing because yeah, you know, when they get scared, they're going to do something about it. So. Um, that just really seems to be the the basic topics that my speakers have been talking about. Occasionally, I've had a couple of speakers come in that are talking about 
the human side of mm-hmm. all of this, what's going on and, you know, how are your employees doing at home? Let's talk about the management of your employees and the mental health. And, you know, that, that conversation is, you know, talked about a lot as well, because that's really important, even for my own employees, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big issue with all this isolation of people being at home. Right. Well, and, you know, People, when they're working from home, oftentimes, even though they are very well connected and they have probably multiple types of devices in in their vicinity, listening to them, watching them, um, you know, connected to them in some way, I think a lot of times people don't realize, too, that they can be watched, if you will, digitally, even though they feel that they're isolated. So sometimes you'll find, at least from what I've found in my research, sometimes people working from home just do things that they normally wouldn't do because they have a sense of being um, not seen by others. And that's where sometimes you find some very surprising types of activities going on, (laughs) even though they're being digitally followed. So those make some very good uh, conference uh, topics to describe some of those situations. Well, and I agree. I mean, I, at first, when my employees started work, and we're just a small team, you know, there's there's like six of us, but we, um, when they all went home, probably the first couple of months, I did not make them turn their cameras on, on our meetings. And then I just got to the point where, okay, we're going to start turning our cameras because it gave them some accountability, you know, to, yeah. I'm always on Zoom calls, so I pretty much, you know, have to, you know, still get up, work out, get ready, you know, just feel like you're not a slug at home, (laughs) you know, and it's, it's the, these have been hard times, especially if you have kids, you know, I can only imagine that the mothers with little kids, so it's definitely different times. Well, even the privacy within your home office. I mean, that's something I've talked about several times and a lot of people don't realize and there's been, you've probably seen them and probably heard stories about them, but you know, people having others walk behind them during a meeting that maybe, (laughs) you know, they're in their underwear or bathing suit, or even they aren't wearing, you know, pants because they think that people can only see them from the waist up. So there, there's definitely ways you can protect your privacy online also. And you have to be very careful because I know when I do my virtual events, you know, I have my whole setup and I have a webcam because, you know, it's clearer. So the night before I'll get everything set up and sometimes I'll forget to cover that webcam and I'm thinking, I got to cover that. You just don't even know when it's turned off. You know, it's scary. And then I know Rebecca is coming on my new pilots uh, show on the 29th of January. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what we're going to be discussing is IoT. And that's such a, there's so much, there's so many, and that's what my show is intended for is just everyday people just understanding more about cybersecurity. And it doesn't just, it's not just for the people that are doing it. It's not for the IT people, it's for all of us collectively, because now our homes are being taken over by internet devices all over. I mean, I just got a new oven and it's a smart oven, you know, it's Uh. So you just, you know, and and all these stories about the ring bells and, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't really want to get a ring bell because of those stories. 
but yes there's yeah. a lot you know there's there's so much i mean it, you, there that's a whole nother hour which i guess you and i could talk about it on January oh, 20 yeah well Talking about those, though, I mean, did that come up? Were those like I imagine? Do you um, do you ask people what topics they're interested in having covered at your conferences, and what were some of the privacy topics that people have requested that maybe you've been surprised by, or maybe you were surprised at some of the uh, privacy sessions that people attended and had feedback on. Well, they all um, have a ton of great feedback, but a lot of them, again, is just how to protect your workspace, you know, and how to protect yourself, you know, working in this digital workspace because everything seems to be evolving to complete digital workforce. You know, they, they love hearing about you know, how to protect yourself from the data breaches and, and some of the real live stories, things that have happened that, of course, our speakers can't share, you know, some some um, classified information, but they definitely can share what to do so you're not the next victim. And, you know, I think there's a the stats. I can't say I, I want to say like there's a cyber crime. It like every three seconds, something's mm. I, I believe that's what Cybercrime Magazine says, but don't quote me on that. Just, <laughs> that's just, I'm pretty certain that's what he states on that magazine. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't be surprised because just look at how many computing devices there are and, throughout the world and how many uh, opportunities there are to uh, really exploit those unsecured devices that so many people have and they you know, they don't even realize that they're vulnerable, but yet people are, are exploiting those vulnerabilities and people are unassuming victims. They don't even know that they've been victimized. Kind of like, you know, back in in December when we found out you, you have the, uh, you know, you have the solar winds and a security company that's been compromised for months. And it's like, holy cow. Yeah, that's interesting because Morgan Wright, um, that he's the Fox News correspondent, he uh-huh. is being my first guest on January 22nd. And it's, that <sighs> is exactly what he wants to talk about is the solar winds and, you know, just the comp. I mean, people just are not even aware of some uh-huh. of the that are going on. And um, I'm really excited to have him on the show because I just, you know, my viewers love hearing from the, just the things that that we don't even know are going on and the things that are happening in Russia and China and, you know, who who really knows? Like you said, there's some people that think they know everything, but nobody knows hardly anything with what's going on in the cyber world. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's so true. And you could kind of tell probably from my intro, I was pretty passionate about that because I talk with people sometimes and, they ask me, you know, they they might be in marketing or sales or something, and when they hear that I, I do privacy and security and so on, they're like, oh, well, you know, I've got that down. I don't have any worries there. And I just think to myself, oh, okay, <laughs> you're, you're the perfect victim. <laughs> Someone is going to target you if you think you don't, you know, have anything else to learn about that. 
Yeah, I, I read a story, I guess it was this summer, and I, I felt bad for that. It was a small bank, I think it was in Arkansas, and they had a ransomware, and they had a ransom attack, not a ransomware, and um, they had to close down, you know, and, you know, lay off all their employees, and it was just, I think it was an article in the Wall Street Journal, and that's just happening on it so often, and these people are just, you know, they think they can't afford the protection, but you can't afford not to have the protection. Yes. So true. Well, you know, I know a lot of people listening right now are probably thinking about their own experiences or, you know, things that they learned that maybe they think, you know, I could share this information with others and they would probably get benefit from it. So what would be your advice to folks who would like to be a speaker at a future con event? What what steps should they take if they're interested in pursuing that? Well, I think the first step is checking out our website at futureconevents.com. You know, attending one of our events because our events right now are free. Uh-huh. Um, we do have limitations on some of them, but um, when they're live, they're not free. There is a fee att- attached with that, but this is the perfect time to just check out some of our past speakers. You can go to our website and look at our past events. Not all of them are active, but you can click on them, and you can hear some of the uh, the discussions that were talked about, and you can see that on LinkedIn as well. But um, again, we just are looking for speakers that have the experience like yourself, you know, the knowledge to bring to our attendees. Um, so usually we like them to be um, a C level, just again because we have a lot of C levels that come on to the as an attendee. So they like listening to their peers. You can go um, there's on our website there's a speaker submission where you can fill out your information and it just goes to um, it eventually comes to my hands and I look at all the speaker submissions that come in. Oh, great. Okay. So those of you out there, I know there are a lot of you because I get messages from a lot of you who talk about different situations and you're like, uh, oh, well, this, why don't you talk about this or that? So, you know, those of you out there like that, you know, this is what uh, you can think about if you want to submit to be a speaker. Now, Kim, you talked about how some of the speakers, you know, that are the best speakers are those that are so interesting because they give real life situations and they scare people. And I can relate to that because I've, I've given some of those um, uh, sessions where people came up afterwards and said, oh, my gosh, I'm terrified now. So what would you say if, if there are C-level folks who want to talk about something they experienced or they want to share, how can they be more interesting to, to really have a good impact? Or uh, let, let me ask it a different way. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making as a speaker that maybe kind of doesn't help them for what their purpose was for making a, a session, being a session speaker? Yeah, I can, and I can think of a handful of them. I try to invite most of my keynote speakers on my podcast first so I can uh-huh. kind of feel them out and hear, you know, what the dynamic of their, you know, um, personality is. 
But that's the biggest thing is that here you are. It is very hard because I have to talk on a screen to people all the time and I can't see who I'm talking to. So you need to have that dynamic personality like yourself. But even if you don't, at least practice before you just come on, you know, and and take a speaking spot and don't read the slides. You know, that that's another thing that really hurts people is reading the slides. Be personable, you know, make jokes as there are people there, you know, bring it, bring it down to a, you know, what would I say? Um, just a human level. So mm-hmm. it's not so technical because the ones that go super technical, there are, we have people in the audience that like the super technical people, but mm-hmm. you have to re- remember those other people that, you know, that could put them to sleep as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, something that I found, and I think I did it in my talk here in Des Moines. I know I've done it in some other locations, um, and I really had it polished and was uh, had the effects down good when I spoke in Luxembourg in, uh, in October of 2019 at their keynote at one of their conferences. But I like to mix um, visuals with maybe some of the more technical and, and statistical type of information. So like when I was talking about data, I tried to represent data with pennies or, you know, with earth, uh, the number of earths that it would take, you know, if you thought about all of the data in the world and covering them with pennies. And I had people who didn't, if I would have just said the numbers, I think a lot of people, you know, they would have heard quadrillion and that what is quadrillion, you know, what are a hundred quadrillion? What does that even mean? But if, if you show them what that would be in physical terms, I think that makes people interested. And in fact, uh, you can see it in their faces when you're, you're giving a talk, right? Uh, I, I'm assuming when you're giving a talk, well, that would be harder though in a virtual event, wouldn't it? Because do your speakers actually see all of the attendees like in a, you know, in Zoom, a lot of times you can see well, the they other see attendees. Them, they can see their name, and if the attendees want to upload their face, they can just see them like in a social networking. They can just see their name, title, and oh, they okay. they can talk to each other as well. So that that so you still have really good interaction there in your virtual. We do. And we have like an event game. And so there's a race, like a scavenger hunt. And, you know, oh, fun. Yeah, we, we try to do the best we can to make, you know, I think once we go back live, these events are going to be packed. People are ready to go back to events. So, <laughs> yes. Well, believe it or not, we're already getting to the end of our hour, I guess, in maybe one minute or two. What would you like our listeners to take away from our conversation today? What's the key point that you want them to remember? Well, I think that, you know, you mentioned uh, Data Privacy Day coming up. Is that just being people, people being more aware, having conversations, asking questions, you know, hopefully what we talked about today inspires some dialogue, you know, with other people and their companies and just being safe online, you know, tune into these type of shows, learn about, you know, the IoT devices in your home, how secure are they, and just people, I just think, need to pay more attention to what's going on around them and don't open links. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, people are yeah. just opening links. So, no matter if it looks like you uh, have inherited six million dollars, just right. don't do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being with me today, Kim. I really enjoyed speaking with you. It was awesome. Thank you for having me. Uh, absolutely. So today I've been speaking with Kim Hakem, CEO and founder of FutureCon Cybersecurity Events and also host of the new Voice America Business Channel show and Security for All, which launches on January 22nd of this year, 2021. Please send me feedback about this show. Uh, would you like to hear more about this or other topics? Just let me know. Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com is my email. And if you can't make our scheduled debut show on the first Saturday of each month, you will be able to listen to all of the recordings. I have all my shows I've ever done available. Until our next show, please ask those that you do business with and work for. Ask those who are in the home with you, working from the same area where you have your uh, desk and are doing business and Zoom calls. Um, Are they doing all that they can to secure the information that you've entrusted to them. Be privacy aware in this month, data privacy month. And uh, I hope that you truly do uh, think about these things going forward throughout the coming days. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in this week. Data security and privacy with the Privacy Professor can be heard live the first Saturday of each month at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next time, stay safe.